They seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. picture Red Shoes as Baroness Orxy's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. My most recent visit to France had been a close call, almost too close. I returned to England with a bullet in my shoulder, which had to be removed and invented a story of a hunting accident in Scotland. It was quite a joke at London parties. It amused Tony Dewhurst and I to see the careful glances cast in my direction and to hear the ripple of disguised laughter that accompanied the glances. You've certainly broken up a dull season for the gossips. Yes. Look at that group over there. I wish we could hear what they were saying. Not hard to imagine, Tony. It probably goes something like this. Imagine giving an idiot like Blakeney a gun... Any fool might know the silly ass would wind up shooting himself. They'd have even more to talk about, but less to laugh about if they knew the truth. Which, fortunately, they don't. Their laughter is part of our protection. Uh, by the way, who's that girl, the one speaking to Lord Fenton? The little French girl. You don't know? No. But should I? Well, you snatched her from under the nose of Citizen Chauvelin and saved her from the guillotine. That's Suzanne Lamoureux. Oh, is it? You really didn't know. Well, why should I ask if I knew? Remember, I only saw her at night. Never clearly enough either of us to recognize the other. Uh, she's looking this way. She knows we're talking about her. Well, that's enough to pique any woman's curiosity. Too much. I think she's going to come over. Yes, excusing herself from the group now. Well, here's your chance to make a bid for sympathy. Oh, I shall. Oh, boy, I shall. Uh, you know, the, the pain is really quite unbearable now. Oh, I'm oh. sure it is, old fella. But I do feel for you. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Oh, good evening, mademoiselle. Uh, uh, Sir Percy, uh, may I present Suzanne Lamoureux? Enchanted. Enchanted. I, uh, I have been hearing much of your unfortunate accident, Sir Percy. Oh, yes. Yes, beastly bad luck. Uh, quite, quite, quite painful, you know. Oh, how dreadful. If it does not bother you too much, perhaps we might walk out to the terrace and become acquainted while you tell me about it. Oh, well, there isn't much to tell, really. Oh, tell the lady about it, Blakeney. After all, if you can bore me with a dozen recountings, you can tell her once. Please, monsieur. Oh, very well. Uh, the air will do me good in any case. Uh, you'll excuse us, Tony. Oh, by all means. Uh, I'm afraid my tale isn't going to be very thrilling, mademoiselle. See, I went hunting in Scotland with a few cronies, and I set the blasted gun down for a moment to climb a fence. You need then... not go on, Sir Percy. I know. Uh, well, everybody knows, of course, but I thought... I that... mean, I know the truth, monsieur. The truth, mademoiselle? Oh, really, if you mean to imply that I'm lying, I mean, what earthly reason would I have? Do you mean what reason would you have as Sir Percy Blakeney? Or what reason as the Scarlet Pimpernel? <laughs> oh, I say, that is jolly. You think I might be the Scarlet Pimpernel? <laughs> I know you are, monsieur. I also know that knowledge is dangerous to you. All I can say to you is trust me and do not fear. Oh, but my dear girl... I trusted well, I you, 
And you saved my life. If I was worth saving, monsieur, am I not worth trusting? How did you learn my identity, mademoiselle? I received a letter this morning by a special messenger who was fortunate enough to escape from Paris. A letter from whom? A cousin who has remained in Paris to fight against what is being done to our people. His name is Jacques Lamoureux. You mean my identity is known to him? No. But he writes that the Scarlet Pimpernel is known to have suffered a bad wound in his last brush with the troops of Citizen Chauvelin. I see. Then I remembered the story about your accident, monsieur. And when I saw you here tonight, towering above the men around you, I also remembered the size and the strength of the man who carried me away from the very shadow of the guillotine. I, I also remembered how he kissed me in the darkness and before he put me on the ship that brought me here... I have never forgotten that kiss, monsieur. Often at night, I... I have dreamed of it happening again. Her eyes were deep and dark, but a light came from somewhere within them. I bent my face down to hers, and her warm, sweet breath dissolved the chill of the night in a magical softness. Do you think this same mouth could ever betray you, monsieur? No. Not ever. What is it you want of me, mademoiselle? Help for my people. There is a terrible time coming, monsieur, worse than what has gone before. How do you know this? From my cousin's letter. What does it say? Only that he and his friends who work in opposition to the leaders of the revolution anticipate a great purge. There is a new list of suspects being compiled by Chauvelin. It is said to contain 30,000 names. 30,000? Yes. And what their fate will be is now being decided. A decree will soon be issued by the Minister of Justice, Citizen Antoine. Antoine, that butcher. He's as bad as Chauvelin. What it will say, none can guess. But it will lead to the greatest mass slaughter in the history of mankind. This cousin of yours, Jacques Lamoureux, where in Paris might I find him? I do not know. He will be in hiding somewhere in Montmartre, near the Rue Normandie. That quarter is teeming. I must contact him quickly, but how? Wait, my scarf. Take it. What for? If you ask for him by name, others will protect him through fear for his safety. But if you send a message to him that he will be interested in the scarf you wear... You mean it is something he will recognize? There is no other like it. He painted the design for me with his own hand. Excellent. I'll have to soil it a little so that it won't be conspicuous with whatever rags I wear for disguise. Come, I'll take you back inside and bid our host good night. You... When will you go? The channel tide flows toward France in the morning. I leave London tonight. In addition to Tony Dewhurst and myself, six other members of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel were immediately available. We rode to my ship anchored off Dover, crossed the channel, and made for Paris in various disguises of impoverished French citizens. And even as we arrived, citizen Antoine struck... We had followed a torch-bearing mob to the Place de la Révolution. What do you suppose this gathering is for, Blakeney? Well, they're obviously expecting something, some speaker. I... Look, that platform in the center, going up the steps. Mm-hmm. Our dear friend, Citizen Chauvelin. Who's the other one? Citizen Antoine. Whatever they're up to, we'll soon know. Yeah, it looks like Chauvelin is going to speak, holding up his hand to get this mob quiet. Comrade citizens! A new crisis has risen to threaten our young republic, but it shall be dealt with. Listen to the voice of one of our great leaders, 
our Minister of Justice, Citizen Antoine. What a fierce-looking man. The passion of a fanatic. A man like that is always a menace. Here it comes. Citizens of the glorious new Republic of France, there are those among us who will destroy what we have fought and bled to create. Not the aristocrats this time, but men of our own order, plotting to overthrow our new government and take power to create a new aristocracy for their own benefit. As though he and Chauvelin and the rest haven't done exactly that. I know. But your leaders are not fools, citizens. We know that these traitors have arms and munitions hidden away, awaiting the moment they will scream. I know. I know. That moment will never come. It is hereby decreed that any citizen in possession of any arms, unless he be a soldier of the Republic, will surrender such arms and munitions at the headquarters of the Committee of Public Safety within 24 hours. Look at their faces, Tony. Yes, some of the good citizens don't like that order at all. They're not all fools. Justice has miscarried too often here. A man likes to feel he has some way of defending himself. All good citizens will obey this decree immediately and without question. Like sheep going to a slaughter. We will know how to deal with those that do not. Soldiers of the Republic will henceforth have the right to enter and search the house of any suspect for arms. And Madame Guillotine wish to deal with the traitors. That is all. And that, Tony, is the end of all pretense of liberty, equality, and fraternity. To violate the privacy of a man's home. How can they bear it? Some of them won't. Look at them. They're too frightened to resist. There's a man named Jacques Lamoureux who won't be too frightened. And what chance will he have? He and his friends will be caught and murdered if they don't obey. It is possible for a man to seem to obey without doing so, Tony. What's going on in your mind, Brittany? I'm not quite sure yet. Contact the others. Drift around. Keep your ears open. Then meet me at midnight at the Café Rouge in the Place Mercotte. Well, where are you going now? To Montmartre to find Jacques Lamoureux. I made for the streets of Montmartre, near the rue Normandie, and wandered about with a scarf Suzanne Lamoureux had given me tied about my throat. The people of the village were furtive. Any man among them could be for or against the Republic in the new decree. But I had to gamble. I had to make overtures to somebody. Then I saw my man picking his way slowly and carefully along the street. He was a blind man. What is it, citizen? Who takes my arm? A friend. Blind comrade. I do not know your voice, comrade citizen. I am in need of help. Help? From such as I? A man who cannot see learns to use his ears better than others. I seek a man whose name you may have heard. What man? Jacques Lamoureux. The name is unknown to me. Have no fear. I will not harm him. I am not a soldier of the Republic. I know. You are not even French. You are angry. How do you know that? As you said, monsieur, a man who cannot see learns to use his ears. You speak my language perfectly, and yet I sense it is not your native tongue. I do not ask you to take me to Lamoureux. Just deliver a message. Tell him a man walks the rue Normandie wearing a scarf that will be familiar to him. And shall I give him a name, monsieur? Or shall I just say, 
that the wound of the Scarlet Pimpernel has healed. Yes, you may tell him that. You place great trust in me, monsieur. You know I am poor and more helpless than others. Yet there is a large reward offered for you. And you place your life in my hands. Yes. Why, monsieur? Because when the children of France cry, you do not see the tears, but you hear the hunger that causes them. And when the orators rage, you are not hypnotized by their eyes, but you hear the lies that weave their words. Of all the men I might have stopped, I picked you because you are the least blind. Thank you, monsieur. You will not go unrewarded. Here. No, 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 monsieur. My body is accustomed to being without food and warmth. You have given nourishment to my spirit. Walk the Rue Normandie, monsieur. The man you seek will come to you. The blind man had seemed old when I approached him. But as he left me, he seemed to grow younger and more erect. I turned into the Rue Normandie and paced the streets. An hour passed, almost two, and then... Bonsoir, citizen. Bonsoir, comrade. Do you mind if I walk along with you? I have been hoping for company, citizen. The design of your neckerchief interests me. I obtained it from a lady. It was given her by her cousin. I know, monsieur. I am Jacques Lamoureux. Then you know who I am. I've come to help you, Lamoureux. No. Strangely, monsieur, I have come to help you. What do you mean? You are too late, monsieur. I, Listen, hear me. You're in danger here, and you must do as I say. Do you see the four men standing outside the cafe up ahead? Yes. As we approach them, you must engage me in an argument. Then strike me as hard as you can. Yes. You must, if you want to live, strike me and curse me. Accuse me of making treasonable statements against the Republic. They will take me, but you will not be suspect. I see. Who are the men? They and others have been following me all day. They are members of Citizen Chauvelin's secret police. Uh-huh. Do as I say, monsieur. It's our only chance. You came to tell me this. You saved my cousin and many of my friends, monsieur. Let me ask you one thing, Lamoureux. If I were not here, if you were alone and those men tried to take you, what would you do? I, I would meet my death fighting, monsieur. Good. Because that is also my preference. I came to help, not to run. Let us live or die together. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. The Scarlet Pimpernel. I surveyed the street quickly as we approached the four men standing in front of the cafe. 
They exchanged significant glances, and one of them looked past us, telling me that we were also cut off from retreat. What do we do, monsieur? Do they know that you're onto them? I've not indicated that I've been aware of being followed. Good. Then they'll probably let us go past them and try to jump at us from behind. Only we won't go past. You see that trough? Ah, the watering place for the horses at the edge of the street. Yes, it makes the walk narrow at the front of the cafe. Now, if we pass the cafe, they'll have to step back toward the trough and let us through. Ah, and then? The trough will be behind them at knee level. Shove the two men nearest you as we pass. Ah. I'll take the other two. Once they go down, run. I understand. All right. Here we go. Good luck. Good luck to both of us, monsieur. You are blocking the way, comrades. May we pass? Ah, the citizen comrades want to pass. Perfect, comrades. Make way for the good citizens. <laughs> ah, merci, citizens. Merci, merci. Run, Jacques. Run. After After them. You back there, hurry. Uh, they're coming, monsieur. Don't look back. It slows you. Where do we head for? The Café Rouge. But first, when we've shaken them, we'll have to find an abandoned cellar or something for a few minutes. Why? Because you're a marked man, Jacques. So am I. We'll need two new faces. Faces they won't recognize. We found shelter in the basement of a church. And I changed the more prominent features of Lamoureux's face and altered my own makeup. Within an hour of our escape, we were seated at an obscure table with Tony Dewhurst in the Café Rouge. I hope you realize you frightened the life out of me, dear friend. <laughs> How? I leave you wearing one face and you come back with another. You came over and sat down with Lamoureux here. I was ready to bolt and run for it myself. Well, it's a good thing you didn't. We don't want to attract any attention now. There's work to be done. Now, what about this list of suspects, Lamoureux? Citizen Antoine's purge list? Yes. Does it really contain 30,000 names? Yes, but most of them are people accused by personal enemies. They're not members of any organized resistance group. I doubt if many of them actually have arms secreted. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, how many of them are there who are organized and do have arms? In my group, less than a thousand. And less than 400 have arms. I wish we had more. Many citizens must have guns, even citizens who favor the Republic. Those who favor the Republic will obey the decree and turn in their arms. They will be no help to us. Will your men surrender their guns? Only by dying with them, monsieur. I favored this revolution when it started. In principle, it sounded right and true and good. But the people have been betrayed. Someday, some of us must rise against the betrayers. We cannot do so with bare hands. No, monsieur. We will keep our guns. Keep them until they search your homes and find them and kill you for them. We have no choice. You would have a choice. If the guns could be taken to some central place outside Paris to lie in readiness for the proper time. I should have thought of that before the decree. Now every cart is being searched. Every man who goes through the streets with a gun must be walking in the direction of the headquarters of Chauvelin's committee where the arms are to be surrendered. He's right, Blakeney. What can he and his men do except surrender their arms or die? They'll do neither. We'll get them more arms, and we'll get them to a hiding place outside Paris. More arms? From where? From the citizens of the Republic who are yielding them to Chauvelin so willingly. Well, how on earth do you expect to manage that? Oh, I don't expect to manage it, my dear fellow. I propose to have citizen Chauvelin manage it for me. What? Tell me, Lamoureux. Do you have a room somewhere that I might use as my own? There's a room I and my men have used from time to time, only at night. Uh, rented under an assumed name. Uh, what name? Citizen Fontaine. Good. Now show me the room and get me uh, about a dozen guns from your men. For what? So that I, as Citizen Fontaine, may go to Chauvelin and surrender them. I told you my men will not yield a single gun. Listen to me, Jacques. Your men will yield all their guns at my direction. Huh. 
I thought you came to help. I thought the Pimpernel would fight. Some fighting is done with a brain, Lamoureux. Do as I say, and I pledge you this. For every gun you surrender in Paris, I will deliver to you ten others to some safe place outside Paris. Now, place a dozen guns in the room you spoke of. Then bring me the key. I have a call to make. A call? On whom? On Citizen Chauvelin. Do you realize what the hour is, Citizen... Fontaine. Pierre Fontaine. Your name does not matter. Why did you insist that my men bring you here in the middle of the night? Because I do not relish the guillotine, Citizen. And because I am a man, not a horse. Don't look at me and sulk. What do you mean? The decree about surrendering arms. I wish to obey it, but... But what? I live miles from the headquarters. I have no animal or cart. Does the Republic expect a man of my age to carry a dozen heavy muskets that distance? A dozen muskets? Oui. You admit having such a cache of arms, citizen? Of course I admit it. It has not been forbidden until today. Where did you get the weapons? In looting the homes of cursed aristos. Many of us have gotten arms in such a manner. In such quantity? Why not, citizen? And why did you hold them? <laughs> For sport, citizen. Many nights my companions and I have taken the guns and roamed the city looking for traitors and aristos. I have known others do the same. The guillotine can take care of the aristos. You will surrender those guns. I will surrender them if you send soldiers to pick them up. If you want the arms, come and get them. That way you will get them all. Instead of having citizens grumble with anger about the journey they must make to turn in a gun. Let them beware, lest their anger get them in trouble. They'll beware, all right. But they'll keep their guns hidden. I walked all this way with a bad foot. It seems to me that if the Republic wants the guns, they should send soldiers with carts through the streets to collect them. Mm -hmm. Even a complaining fool can make sense at times, citizen. Where is your home? Above the bakery in the Rue Saint-Im. Soldiers will come with a cart and take the guns in the morning. Uh, all right. <laughs> but don't expect all citizens to come to you as I have. Have no fear. There'll be no excuses made by anyone. The decree shall be changed. Carts will go to every quarter tomorrow from dawn to midnight to collect the arms. That is wise, citizen. You will never know how your consideration of the people has warmed my heart. Starting in the morning, the soldiers will be collecting arms in every quarter. And you expect my men to give up their arms? That's exactly what I expect them to do. It will lift suspicion from them. And lose them? The only defense they have? Don't be angry, Lamoureux. He must have a plan. Yes, Tony, a very simple plan. What? Chauvelin will have his men collecting the guns. We'll have our men collecting them, too. You mean some of my men disguised as soldiers? Your men and members of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Two men to a cart. What a trick. Turning Chauvelin's own order against him. Now, we'll need 25 carts and uniforms for 50 men. Can they be obtained quickly, Jacques? They will be. Forgive me for doubting. <laughs> There's nothing to forgive. There are times in a man's life when he loses faith in everything for a moment. I'll go and prepare my best uh, men. Uh, one moment. We'll need the rest of your men, too, and the best of them. For what? Getting the guns is one thing. Getting them out of Paris will be another. That's the hard part. Now select your hiding place outside the city. An abandoned mill on the road to Nantes. 
It's five miles past the Mayo Gate. And you better have a hundred or more men loitering about the Mayo Gate as soon as darkness falls. It will be necessary for them to riot. Huh? Some of them may be killed or arrested. They will understand. Well, all carts will be timed to reach the gate at ten o'clock sharp, Tony. That's when the riot must start. Once it starts, we rush the gate, overcome the guard and get through. Right. It'll be up to your men to block all pursuit for at least half an hour, Jacques. That will give us time to reach the mill, unload and hide the guns and get away. Have no fear. I will not go on one of the carts. I will command the gate contingent myself. Chauvelin's order for picking up the guns was issued quickly, and it resulted in the very confusion I counted on. Our wagons were challenged from time to time by other carts and soldiers, but collection districts had been assigned badly, and the officers soon ignored the sight of two carts on the same street, or even three. By nightfall, Tony and I had taken on almost a hundred muskets and smaller arms, handed over by reluctant and frightened citizens. Surrender your arms! All private citizens must surrender all firearms in the name of the Republic! Obey the decree of Citizen Antoine, citizens! More customers, Blakeney. You have a gun to surrender, citizen? We take it! Merci, citizen. The Committee of Public Safety will bless you. Ah, Committee of Public Safety. How about you, citizeness? You look as though you might have something to surrender, no? <laughs> My man is getting a gun now. We could have sold it for food, and now we get nothing. By nine o'clock, we could see a good number of carts starting to edge slowly in the direction of the Mayo Gate, and we moved that way too. The men Jacques Lamoureux had picked were perfect in their sense of timing. We turned into the street leading to the gate at exactly ten o'clock, just as Lamoureux and his mob struck. Lamoureux sees us, Blakeney. He's over there with a the torch. There goes his signal. All right, whip them. Head right for the gate. Gate guard, see us. Keep rolling. Guard to the right of the gate just missed me. Can you pick him off? Jack's getting him. Look, his men have torn the barrier down. Through, go through. Are the others coming? Like a stream. All through now, and Lamoureux's men are closing the gate. Can they hold? With a man like Lamoureux leading them? Don't worry, Tony. They'll hold. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. And my cousin, monsieur, what word of him? There are many ways to deliver bad news, mademoiselle. But I will give you credit for the same courage your cousin had. Jacques is dead? Yes. Word came to us at Nantes. Mounted troops came in pursuit of us. Your cousin and a few of his men on foot rushed at them with torches and turned the animals in a stampede, then fired the barrier. After that, foot soldiers came in with bayonets. I'm sorry. I'd have saved him for you, if it had been possible. It is all right. Often a man must die so the things he believes in may live. I am glad you are safely returned. And I am glad to be here with you.
Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring, with music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.